you really can't have success without failure. And so, you know, being open to failure and taking some amount of measured risk, I always say like, just try and fail as fast and cheap as you can, like basically test things, learn from it and then scale. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome everyone to The Irresistible Factor. Today, I'm interviewing Cedar Carter, who is the CEO of The Good Patch, and I'm so excited to have her on. Welcome, Cedar. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Let's start with you just sort of talking through what The Good Patch is so that everyone knows what you do. Then we can talk about how you got to where you are. Yeah, sounds good. So the Good Patch is in its fourth year of business, and we really are here to make wearable wellness accessible to everybody in the form of a discrete wearable patch. So we make things that help your, you know, help your life be more beautiful is what we say. So when you feel good, you know, whether that's because you bought an awesome new mascara or you did a workout or you put on a patch life is truly more beautiful and you can go about your day and, and do the things that you need to do. That's a nice way of thinking about it, actually, of all those things, actually, um, making life more beautiful. I love that. Can you talk about wearable wellness? Because I think one of the things that's so interesting to me about you guys is that's not that common yet. Like there are lots of things that have been around for a while and we're starting to really adopt them into our sort of day-to-day lives, but wearable wellness, I don't hear that many people talking about it. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, you know, I think these days beauty and wellness are so intertwined, you know, when, whether it's something that you're putting onto your body or into your body and, you know, whether you're doing a workout, it's, it's about beauty inside and out. And, you know, really when you feel good, no matter what that's from, you feel good and and life is better. Right. So wearable wellness is a new category that we are really pioneering. And that's why you haven't seen it much yet. And we're kind of thinking about it from that full body approach. So, you know, what you put onto your skin is very important. And I think consumers are starting to be more savvy about that. And um, we found that wearing a patch just gives you a lot of control over that. So you can put on something for sleep, for example, and wear it for any amount of time that you need it and then peel it off when you're done. So it just gives you a lot of control over over different aspects of your life. So can you talk about the different things it solves for aside from sleep? You know, we have our our patches, kind of the the names speak for themselves, I guess. So we have our dream patch and night night, obviously for beauty sleep. And we have relax and be calm. We have rescue and revive for bouncing back after a night out, help you get through your day. And we have things that address feminine care, such as our cycle and period patches for period cramps and hot flash. We have a hot flash patch for that subset of people. And then we have a relief patch, or it's actually, it's called Soothe right now, but we'll be launching a a new and improved version of it. That's for, you know, just more of that topical pain relief patch for 
really athletes or anybody that experiences that kind of, you know, muscle and joint pain. So what, what's the active ingredient in something like that? The active ingredient in that is menthol and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a really great topical ingredient for pain relief, temporary pain relief, of course. And, you know, we're, we've developed an amazing new patch that is a little differentiated from what's currently on the market. And it has plant-based menthol, which is cool where we like to pride ourselves in being primarily plant powered in our ingredients and, and things that, you know, that you could, you could pick out in nature and, and really utilize. Yeah. Um, so it has a plant derived menthol, and then it's also water resistant. So you could take, you know, you could do your spin class or your whatever boot camp class and take a quick shower afterwards and still wear the patch through that mm-hmm. and has other kind of plant-based ingredients including lavender for a nice kind of nice scent so it's not so medical menthol yes. smell in nature <laughs> so and all of the patches have some active ingredient I assume that is administered transdermally is that how it works Not necessarily, you know, we have a variety of patches and, you know, I would say each one of them is different. So some are purely topical in nature. And so we're using really tried and true ingredients, menthol for the pain related ones. And then we might use, you know, ashwagandha or something in another one for different things. So the ingredients are very different and and how they work is is very different. And as you know, you know, what you put on your skin is very important. So it, it just depends patch by patch and, and the ingredients. Okay. That's cool. And how do you feel, you know, you said you're a pioneer in the space, which is awesome because we need pioneers. And then also scary because that means you have, you're going to places and doing things that other people haven't done. So can you talk a little bit about how you personally got to the good patch and then what it's like to be pioneering in a space? Personally, I've always been very active. You can probably guess by my name being Cedar that I came from a very kind of natural hippie upbringing and health and wellness has always been really important to me. I originally started my career in apparel and I worked for, you know, big companies like BCBG, Max Azria and Quicksilver and Roxy brands back in the day and and really enjoyed that experience. I started my career in a marketing capacity and, and building brands is really my passion and anything that has to do with apparel or beauty, wellness, active lifestyle is, is kind of my jam. And so I went along that career path and then eventually ended up at a really kind of endurance activewear brand in a more general business capacity and really enjoyed kind of broadening my horizons outside of marketing and, and seeing the, the total business and, and how we could make it more efficient and resonate with the consumer and got introduced to the good patch through some mutual connections in my network and they were looking for somebody to help them scale the brand and i just was so drawn to how unique the product is and you know i think anytime you have a very unique product that's actually improving someone's lives you know that that really resonated with me and so i got really excited about the brand's mission you know the the wearable wellness and and making people feel good and uh, loved what they had already done with the brand. Our founders were spa owners initially and really just hearing from their, their clients on what they wanted and what was lacking out there. And so we're really kind of filling that hole. And so, yeah, it's, it's exciting pioneering a new category, right? It's, it's, 
it, that was a, a huge attractor to me. And I, I really liked, you know, I try obviously tried the product before I came to the brand and, and really personally love it. So that always, that always helps. Yeah. Exciting to be pioneering and I'm sure also challenging. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So can you talk <laughs> about some of the challenges you guys are faced with and what it, what it takes to actually, you're, you're creating a category that doesn't really exist in outside of pharma right now. Yeah, you know, and I think there's been topical pain patches and topical mm-hmm. patches. Yep. We didn't invent the patch technology by any means, candidly. We're we're just taking it and and making it accessible to mainstream and you know, marketing it towards a more mainstream and, and primarily female customer. The, you know, the patches that you've seen on the market have been really marketed towards, you know, older men. They've been pain patches that kind of have that really medical menthol-y smell. And, and we're just, you know, putting it to more of a beauty consumer. And so it's challenging. I would say most of our, so patches have existed for a long time. Most of our consumers that that we are reaching you know, at like say Ulta Beauty or Target Beauty, that consumer hasn't necessarily heard of patches before. So there is a degree of education as to how to use them, where to wear them, you know, why, why they should choose a patch and, and the control that it gives them as to, you know, when and where they can wear it and how easy it is to add to their life. So that's always challenging. I would say our retailers that we work with have been highly supportive because at the end of the day, it's really resonating with consumers and they're they're grabbing and it's very, you know, it's easy to bring with you anywhere and easy to wear and, and take on the go. And I think retailers are always looking for new solutions and additions mm-hmm. to their consumer's basket. You know, we're not replacing anything that they have on their shelves or yeah. even right. for a consumer. We're not replacing something in their beauty cabinet or, you know, anywhere else on their shelf. We're really adding to their wellness mm-hmm. routine. How has it been to get consumers who don't normally wear patches to adopt the technology and understand the benefits? Really, it's trial. And so once they try it, they might wear a a B12 awake patch or a dream patch and, and kind of, that's the best way to educate really is, you know, just try it. You know, if you don't like it, you can always take it off really easily. You can wear it for an hour and if you don't like it, you can take it off. But what we find is we, you know, we'll sample or give one to somebody and they wear it and they're like, oh, okay, you know, this, I like this. (laughs) So that's been most effective for us as far as education is, is just try it. You can always take it off if you don't like it. And what are you guys doing to generate trial? Are you sampling a lot? Are you doing it in store? I mean, there hasn't been in-store sampling in a long time. Yeah, there's not really in-store sampling programs right now, but we are doing sampler programs online Mm -hmm. and, you know, we were reaching people online through, you know, paid social or through our organic Instagram and TikTok presence and things like that. You know, giving people on our, if they go to our website, they can buy a kind of a a starter pack that Mm -hmm. lets them try a variety of the products at a discounted price but we do participate in some actual sampling programs. And then we work with retailers like FabFitFun to go into, you know, different boxes. And mm-hmm. we work with Target and we're a part of their box program and, and other marketing programs to get in front of consumers. Cool. So what would you say is your number one challenge of all the things that have happened since you've been there? Um, what's the thing that you've been like, oh, that was a hard one, or this is a hard one coming up? You know, I mean... 
a couple things, obviously. So I started and we dove right into COVID and we were yeah. sold primarily through independent spas and boutiques at the time. So that was certainly a challenge. And yes, then, I can imagine. You know, and I, and I, that was a challenge for many people. And, and it was a really hard time because we, you know, we love these little independent accounts that, that really put us on the map. Um, and, you know, not all of them made it through. So that was yeah. challenging for, for many different reasons. Yeah. And, but we, we used the opportunity to, to really build out our online business, our D2C business, and, and that performed really well for us. And I would say our biggest challenge currently is, is very similar to most D2C brands that, that are experiencing right now, you know, when Apple did their privacy update, which, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us as consumers enjoy, it really, really affected all D2C businesses globally. Yes, for sure. And so it's, it's really hard to target and reach the right customers now. And so where you used to say, okay, I want to, I want to reach someone that's, you know, a a female beauty consumer that is between this age, you you could reach that exact person that you knew the product would resonate with. And, and now, you know, just basically overnight, you can't do that. And Mm -hmm. so it's more of almost back to that old school marketing approach of just marketing (laughs) in general and crossing your fingers that the right people see it. Um, And obviously there's more strategy that goes into it than that, but I would say every D2C brand right now, if you ask them, would say their biggest challenge is getting in front of the right customer and, and basically customer acquisition. And I think we're lucky because we have really, we've always had really amazing retail partners and that's always been important to us. So, you know, that side of the business still remains very, very strong for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the most exciting thing that's happened since you've been there? Or what are you most excited about looking forward? Oh gosh, you know, there's, there's so many things I, from the start, I've just been really excited to, to bring something to people that's, that's additive to their life. Right. So I get really excited about that. I think, especially coming from the apparel world, clothes make people feel really good also. Right. But in a different sense. So it was exciting to be more in this kind of beauty wellness world and and bring joy to people in a different way. I think on the business side, I get really excited because, you know, we've we're meeting our numbers every single quarter. We're growing like crazy. And it's really at the start of a brand's journey, you really don't know, right? You're like, okay, I I like this product and I hope everybody else likes this product. But now we're really starting to see that that people really do love the product and it's, it's uh, resonating with people and um, we're able to, to, you know, bring it more mainstream and and make it accessible to people through our distribution and other ways. Did you guys do a lot of consumer research at the beginning or did, do you do it on an ongoing basis to see what people like and don't like, or, or do you use it for innovation or anything like that? Yeah, I would say we're getting more savvy in our actual research at the Mm -hmm. start of the brand. I mean, this was a a fully kind of family formed business and it, it started with very, very grassroots. And so the research entailed two of our founders were spa owners and they were, you know, all testing it on their friends and family and and clients who were a part of the journey. And so the research was very much that right initially. Um, And obviously there's some technical scientific stuff on the R and D side, but as far as consumer research, it was really kind of putting it in market on a very grassroots level and and seeing the feedback, you know, does it, 
does it, you know, does it resonate or does it not? And now we get that, you know, that same feedback, but on a much grander scale from the people that use the product and, you know, leave reviews on our site and things like that. But we've also done some true market research at this point to show, you know, what are people wanting from the patches? What are their pain points? And we're kind of constantly doing R&D, even on our existing patches, to, to make sure that they function as as good as possible. And I think we'll sell it. We see that with our, you know, our current, you know, pain relief patch, which is called Soothe. And it was a smaller patch and people wanted it to be bigger to cover a larger surface area so they could get that topical pain relief. And we've, you know, since, you know, made it bigger, given it a four-way stretch fabric, you know, mitigated any sort of menthol smell. So all the pain points that we were hearing, we kind of mitigate along the way, which mm-hmm. I think most CPG kind of beauty brands do. You put something in the market and, and yeah. ultimately you have to listen to the customer. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of DTC. You can test your own products yeah. without having to put them in, get them into a retailer and because that's not where you want to fail, obviously, right? No. Right. So I think that's really interesting. You talked about scaling. You were brought in to scale the business. Did you guys raise capital at any point or has that already happened or is it in the works? Yeah, we have raised capital and we actually just closed our Series A in December. We haven't outwardly spoken about it too much, but um, yeah, we have raised capital and we're really excited to kind of utilize that for marketing support and to build out our team a little bit. And, yeah. you know, our our growth has been fairly organic at this point and our, our marketing efforts. So we're now able to better support our retail partners and get in front of people a little more. Yep. That's awesome. So tell me what's next for the brand. Lots of things. I'm trying to think what, what can I actually share at this point? We are launching some new patches this year. So, you know, some that are new and and new and improved to existing patches, but also some, some additional, you know, wearable wellness patches. And then we're launching kind of a, an adjacent line at some point in the next year that is a little different from our wearable wellness, but still along the same ethos and mission to, you know, help people feel good. And we have some exciting new retail partners that I can't share yet, but, but yeah, we, we have been, you know, Target has been a really good retail partner to us and we have been expanding with them consistently. So we're putting some new patches on their shelves in the coming months and also doing some expansion within Ulta Beauty, mm-hmm. which is a newer account for us, but that's been going really well as part of their new wellness shop concept. So super excited about that. And then we also are expanding within CBS Beauty as part of their beauty in real life concept. Amazing. So it sounds like you have a lot of exciting things on the horizon. Yeah. 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 Been fun. If someone asked you for advice and said, what would you do again? And what would you never do? Like, what would you tell them? You could give them two pieces of advice, something you should constantly (laughs) be thinking about and trying to do. And then something that you did it and it wasn't the right thing to do. And, and you want them not to do it. Oh, goodness. Let's see. I mean, from a business perspective, I think to anybody, you know, I, I am, I'm not the founder of this brand, but I feel very much almost like a founder at this point because we're so early on in our journey. And I would say to any founder or entrepreneur, 
you know, be looking at your cash flow every single day. And I know that's kind of a, a really boring thing to say and, and maybe not what people want to hear, but you know, it's just, it's important to know every aspect of your business when you're a startup and to know, to really understand what cash is coming in versus what's going out. And I see so many younger companies get in trouble that way, just because they, you could be doing a massive business or have a really amazing retail account, but sometimes that takes a lot of cash to buy your inventory and go out the door. And it's a long time between when you're purchasing your inventory and when you're getting paid from that account. So just that cash flow management and, and knowing, you know, every single day kind of where you stand is so important early on in a business. What I've learned along the way and mistakes, I've, you know, sure I've made plenty. I'm trying to think of kind of an example to share, but there's a lot of growing pains. It's been an interesting experience to me. I think maybe one of the more unexpected things was, you know, as you're building out your team, you hire all these really amazing people. And as in a leadership role, you end up almost being a therapist too. <laughs> And that, that was unexpected to me, I would say, just hearing people's growing pains and struggles of, you know, there's, there's no process in a startup. You're, you're making that process and then you hire people and you're going and, and building this thing together and you have to figure out what the process is and the best way to do that and establish things. So that piece, I think was a little more unexpected for me than I thought I was prepared for some of it, but it's been a bigger piece of my role than I expected. So that's been interesting. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. I was talking to, I think this Kevin Reynolds is his name. He's the CEO of Noon. He was talking about the same thing. Like there's a lot of time that he spends doing what you're talking about, just listening. Yes. Well, because as you grow, like they just got acquired by Nestle. Yeah. They're in the middle of, you know, redoing their processes and all the things that they did, however they wanted for a long, long time. Yeah. And it's been a real challenge. And I think that's interesting because I don't think you often think about that. And the other person I interviewed, which was really interesting, was this guy, Nick Salterelli, who's the CEO of Midday Snacks. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that brand, but they're a really cool startup chocolate brand, functional chocolate that has just taken on the world. They've taken on Hershey and they, but he has a, a belief that in order to keep everyone happy and productive, they have coaching once a week or maybe once a month. I can't remember how often it seemed often. Yeah. Yes, they have team coaching where they all talk to coaches and that's his background. He was coached. He was a high school athlete. And so he believes that that's a way to make sure that everyone's kind of growing and moving at the same pace and, and understanding in a helpful way, what kind of pain they're experiencing as far yeah. as it goes. So I think it's really cool that you're talking about it because it seems like something that is so easily overlooked, but so, yeah. so important. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's crazy because, you know, when you're moving at the pace that that we're moving and that many startups move, you know, the process that worked for you yesterday may not work for you next week. So it is a constantly evolving thing to manage both people, you know, their mental, mental and physical well-being and, and health and happiness 
and also just the actual process because you might be adding people or adding accounts and just things are changing so quickly. So you, you might have a really dialed process that doesn't work for you, you know, a month from now. So yeah. it's just constant. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot to deal with, actually. It's a lot of things to think about because you're also thinking about what you talked about before, cash flow. What does the <laughs> business actually look like? So, you know, and especially now, I mean, this po- moment in time, it is so hard to find good employees. And once you do, yes. I think that what you're talking about is really important, making sure they're feeling good and heard. All that stuff matters more than it ever did. Oh, yeah. It's a very interesting job market right now. And, you know, yeah, it is. I mean, I think it's always been hard to find, you know, truly those superstar employees that are motivated, you know, self-motivated, especially in this very virtual um, independent world we're living in. And, you know, it's always better to keep your employees happy than to be constantly trying to find new ones. Right. So, yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, definitely. Any other advice you'd like to share? I would say it's a it's a really amazing journey joining a startup, whether you're starting one or joining one, you know, but be prepared for how all-encompassing it is. You know, it, it really is, you know, this is my first, I've worked at smaller companies and, and big multi-billion dollar companies, and this is my first true startup experience, and it really is all-encompassing. And And it's amazing because every member of your team celebrates every tiny little win and you also celebrate your failures, you know, but it's definitely different. You know, you have to think about whether, whether that's the path that you want to take because it it really is all consuming, but I, I personally, I love it. I wouldn't change a thing. I'm glad I had those other experiences to compare them to. But I really love how every single thing, every little step we make along the way feels like such a big win. And every single person on the Zoom screen, we all still fit, you know, on one nice little Zoom screen and everybody's celebrating those wins. That's so, so much fun. Do you think your um, background in bigger corporations, like you mentioned, multi-billion dollar companies, did that help you get prepared? Was it, or was it like total shock going into a smaller, like a startup I always say what I loved about working at a big company is what I hate at a startup and vice versa. It just, there's, I think, I'm personally, I think anywhere you work, you know, I've, I've had a job since I was 12 years old. I've always been kind of a workaholic and, and just worked really, really hard to, to get here. Right. And I think every job I've had along the way has contributed to my overall management style or appreciation, or I've learned and taken something from every single role. So yeah, I think it was good. I'm glad that I've had all those varieties of experience and I would encourage other people to do that. And one's not better than the other. It just, it's more of a personality fit, right? And things move very quickly at a startup. I personally love that. You don't have to go through 20 layers of approval process and, you know, things just get done. They move quick. And that's, that's fun. Cause I, I probably am a little impatient by personality. And so I like when you can, you can have a discussion, make a, a decision, a well-informed, intelligent research decision, but you know, put it into play that day. And that's, that's something that is very hard to do at a big company. So that's what I, I personally that. love. That's yeah. interesting and really important. Cause I do think that some people don't like that, right? You have to move yeah. fast and all your decisions are, have a big impact. Like yes. at a big company, you could make a lot of decisions that have little tiny impacts 
and ultimately big impacts along the way. But at a startup, you're making decisions that have a big impact every time. Yeah. And I would say one of the most important things I maybe I've learned along the way is to not be afraid of failure. I think failing and failure for a lot of people in any aspect of life is very scary. But as long as you can learn from those failures, you really can't have success without failure. And so, you know, being open to failure and taking some amount of measured risk, I always say, like, just try and fail as fast and cheap as you can, like basically test things, learn from it and then scale. Right. It's like, like you're saying, you know, don't put a brand new product that you're not sure about into target, test it on D to C, make sure it works and it resonates and then scale from there. So, you know, fail fast and cheap and take those learnings and then go big. So I think, I think that's a really important and, and very scary thing is mm-hmm. to, to know that you are you're at a startup, you're absolutely going to fail at something probably once a week, <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta learn from it and, and keep going. Right. Well, that's great. I mean, those are great. You gave me two things that I, I always listen for what I'm going to have as the opening little snippet. And you just gave me two great ones. You said the process that worked for you yesterday may not work tomorrow. I love that. And then fail fast and cheap and take those learnings and go big. Love that. <laughs> They're both great. They're great. Oh, good. I think those are the kinds of things that people need to hear. So thank you so much for your time and uh, good luck. And I hope the good patch is a wild success, which I think it will be. It sounds like you're really oh, onto something. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.